Jarvis, drop my needle. There was an idea. On a day. Where superheroes rose. And podcasters united. And on the day. This is that ice cold Michelle fight for that white gold. This one for them hood girls, them good girls, straight masterpieces. Styling, violent, living it up in the city. Got Chuck's on with Saint Laurent. Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty. I'm too hot. Call the police and the fireman. I'm too hot. Make a dragon wanna retire, man. I'm too hot. Mightiest podcast. Wait a minute. Fill my cup, put some nigga in it. Take a sip, sign the check. Julio, get the scratch. Right to Harlem, Hollywood, Jackson, Mississippi. If we show up, we gon' show up. Smoother than a fresh drop, skip it. I'm too hot. Call the police and the fireman. I'm too hot. Make a dragon wanna retire, man. I'm too hot. Bitch, say my name. Join your hosts, David Senden and Mark Herleman. It's time for another episode of MarvelCast, Earth's Mightiest Podcast. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button. Because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead. Now, repeat back what I just said. I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm good. That's right. I'm good. No! Now that's the button that will kill everyone! All right, gang, and welcome to the latest episode of uh, Marvel Cast, Earth's Mightiest Podcast, our regular flagship show. I am your host, David Sendon, and with me, our returning champion, our you know, long box reading, gauntlet wielding, symbiote wearing, the uber geek among insects. Never forget that. 
your friend of mine, Mark Herleman. Mark, how's it going, bud? Oh, it is going good. It's going real good, you know? Good. Excited good. to uh, take a stroll back down memory lane, as it were. Um, very interesting, uh, you know, two movies caught back up on. I was really kind of floored by uh, how well they stand the test of time. Like, I, I'm... I'm gotta say i was pretty impressed <laughs> yeah i was too i was too i was re-watching our second one and I'll, and we'll get into it more later later on in the program but my thought was okay two things tragic about this right can you guess the two things that are tragic about x2 mm-hmm. well i, I have I a mean, feeling you're gonna lean towards the title that, Aside from the fact that they called it X2, X-Men United, because for some reason in the early 2000s, they thought audiences were dumb. (laughs) See, ironically, the copy I was watching never said X-Men United. It just said X2, and I'm like, huh. Well, I think that's because they, if you remember, they dropped it really early on. That makes sense. But in in the... like the really, really early on days, it was X2, X-Men United. <laughs> but I think there was such a uproar about that that that's when, uh, well, they basically acted like dogs with their tail between their legs and got rid of the X-Men United. <laughs> <laughs> so, but can you guess the two things that are most tragic about X2? Oh, let's see. Uh, I would say the lack of uh, the use of Cyclops, or not Cyclops, uh, Colossus, and Jubilee. That, that, but that's that's more me. Now, what are you going with, Dave? Now, we'll get into it later, but the two <laughs> things that are most tragic is, one, you build up this big, massive, not just the best X-Men story, but quite arguably one of the best comic book stories, period. You build that up, and then you botched it, and what we got was essentially John Ma- John Nash with mutant powers in <laughs> X-Men The Last Stand. That's tragedy number one, right? Right. Tragedy number two? Uh, you know, like Joss Whedon after, um, you know, the first two Avengers movies in the current MCU, right? X2 was the literal last stand of any appreciation for Brian Sinner. Mm-hmm. And I don't really need to elaborate why, because we all know. I mean, seriously, he fell on his face hard. You know? <laughs> you know, what's funny is, is like, I'm looking at the lineup of X-Men movies here. And, you know, you get the sense like, okay, you, you've got, you know, almost 10 movies. And one of the characters that runs throughout all of them is Logan. Uh, you know, Wolverine is in every single one of mm-hmm. the movies. And yet, like, like, and I love Hugh Jackman. I love Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, as tall as he might be. Uh, but <laughs> well, if, I, if, I don't if, get that same Robert Downey Jr. kind now, of feel from Wolverine I will, I will like stop I do you right there. I will stop you right there on the height, okay? 
you know who it's it's actually a much better choice you know who fox in their you know brain dead you know logic wanted originally hmm and this guy would have fit the height the height problem but it i mean i know really... a lot of people are like danny devito is the right height uh-huh <laughs> uh-huh that is who they wanted so they really did actually want him i always I, thought that was I a joke I swear to God that that is who they wanted. Okay, they wanted Danny DeVito for this. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of too many really short actors. Now, I will tell you, I will tell you the character that would have fit Danny DeVito to a T at the time. Okay, mm. you know who that is? Nah, man, you got me on that one. Puck. Yeah, I mean, you give him you give him a, a, a toupee or something, because <laughs> yeah. Tupac, or am I am I was Puck bald or did Puck have a beard and like and like short hair? It depends on what issue you're reading, but I think there were some. I know in the in the animated series, uh, when especially when they brought Alpha Flight in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Puck was bald. Okay. Okay. But yeah, you could you could pull that off, I guess. Yeah, not with Danny DeVito now. No, no, no. I'm thinking like Taxi DeVito. He, he'd no, be like, like he'd be like him. old man Puck. You know, like maybe maybe at most uh, Batman Returns DeVito. Yeah, <laughs> Batman Returns Dorito. I mean DeVito. <laughs> uh, All right, so let's get into our um, discussion about. The original X-Men. So, gang, what we're going to do now is you're going to hear the trailer for it. And then uh, we'll be back to, you know, talk about it, dissect it, and all that good stuff. And uh, what you would normally expect from us. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now seeing the beginnings of another stage of human evolution. The truth is that mutants are very real, and they are among us. We must know who they are, and above all, what they can do. We're not what you think, not all of us. Who are you people? What kind of place is this? I'm Professor Charles Xavier. I built this school where mutants could learn to focus their powers in a positive way and also learn that mankind was not evil, just uninformed. You'll be safe here from Magneto, a very powerful mutant who believes that a war is brewing between mutants and the rest of humanity. There is a war coming. Be sure you're on the right side. future Charles not them they no longer matter hold on to something 
Mankind has evolved. Not anymore. All right, so Mark, I'll start off. Um, I think. I think it's before we really dive into it, dive into the meat we have here. I think what's really important to remember is this: these first two movies, right? Granted, there were some things before, like you know, um, uh, Blade, and I guess we'll cover that whenever we get to the reboot actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, no, please, with Mahershala Ali, come on. You guys don't want Wesley back. He's a problem. Um, but I think it's important to note that the first two X-Men movies really were a cornerstone in how the um, the approach to a comic book movie uh, changed. Because up until that time... The standards for them were the equivalent of Shaquille O'Neal Steel, and uh, and I mean, my God, back in the day we had uh, Spawn taking orders from a Muppet Aardvark. Mm-hmm. Well, and what was it? Uh, Dark Man, Dick Tracy. I mean, yeah. there wasn't Rocketeer. There wasn't a whole lot of comic adaptations that really felt, you know, like they were rooted in the real world. I, I felt like when I was rewatching that, that was definitely one of the aspects of this that really jumped out. But I yeah. found myself the first time around being a lot more critical to the stories and the plots being changed from the comic canon mm-hmm. than I am with Marvel doing the same thing. And so when I was rewatching these, you're was, talking you're talking MCU now. Let's make that yeah, distinction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so when I'm rewatching these, I was I was, you know, able to kind of appreciate them for what they were doing mm-hmm. and what they accomplished. You know, I, I, I think that a lot of valid criticisms were more focused on and so like, you know, we look back on the things and it's like those those kind of things are the big herrings that stand out. Yeah. But when you watch these two, especially before you get to the third one that that seemed to set the tone for third of the movies, kind of not doing good, Spidey, I'm looking at you and Venom. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt like it had a good trajectory, you know, like, you know, we were picking back up on elements of what was going on with Logan and stuff. And I did like the fact that, again, going from a looking back on it perspective, when you get to uh, Origins Wolverine. You know, we get that backstory of how he got everything. And it dovetails quite nice for the most part into, you know, what what we're seeing here with, you know, Welcome Home. When, when uh, 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 that's X2 that I'm thinking. But but yeah, I mean, the, the build up to that really worked. I like the way that they set up the characters and stuff. Um, I think, you know, still to this day, the one character that I really wish they would have done differently was rogue and i don't have a problem with rogue in this it's just that to me when i think of rogue i think of rogue is a lot older than what they portrayed her in this oh i'm glad you brought that up because i i was when i was re-watching i was thinking you know what i love anna paquin i adore anna paquin i've loved her since true blood right mm-hmm. 
but um, their treatment of Rogue is like, what are you doing? Yeah. That, that is one of the things where when, and and again, I'll bring this up later, but I'll just touch on it now. When the MCU starts to do its own version of X-Men, instead right. of, you know, this multiversal alternate dimension, uh, you know, still attach yourself to this dead husk of an X-Men franchise. But when they do their own Rogue, I want you guys to really get it right. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, a sort of, you know, girly teenage, you know, just got off from Miss Frizzle's magic school bus. That's not my Rogue. (laughs) Yeah, when I I think of Rogue, I, I think of... Especially with the opportunity now with reintroducing the X-Men in the MCU. Yeah. You can go with the classic story of her and Carol and have her get the flight powers and everything that she took from Miss oh, Marvel. Dude, you you realize I was so hoping that was going to be a thing with uh, the Marvels because that would have been a great plot line. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, that that's that. I mean, and I, I still remember like when I first was learning about rogue. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about who Miss Marvel was and really the, the the connection it was just like oh she you know took some superhero's powers. Okay. Right. okay. Yeah. But I I look at it in the aspect of you know you 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 take the character's background into consideration and she was basically adopted by Mystique mm-hmm. and she was being raised almost alongside with the brotherhood of mutants like you know on the wrong side of the tracks as it were um and so when she ends up taking the powers like it's part of like some heist and like you know it wasn't like she was trying to do it at first but like when it happens like she totally takes advantage of it at first like and i always liked a that kind of anti-hero redemption story that she had Mm -hmm. and i also liked how it created a kinship with another one of my favorite X-Men characters, Gambit. I, I always loved those two characters' romance. Now, the way they play up Bobby and her, it almost works. Yeah, but, but really. it's not really a substitute for the the Remy LeBeau and, and Rogue. No, it, it, it really ain't. And I mean, that's another thing about the comics versus now, these. That sexual angst is... Now, what it does this, do... What it does do is, and unfortunately, the this first movie right here really, really sort of uh, uh, stretched the limit of that, you know, to the point where if you did that, if you did what this movie did now, you probably, you'd be, you know, flagged on so many levels. Twitter <laughs> would go crazy. But the sort of... Um, uh, almost like a creepy, you know, friendship, relationship, flirtation between, uh, you know, Rogue and, and Logan. Mm-hmm. Right? Logan, who is significantly older. Right. I mean, significantly older. And now you see why I say, if you were to do this now, right, you'd be red flagged on so many different levels. Twitter would have a field day with you 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, know, it really does show that in the early 2000s, they weren't thinking of anything like that, which, thank God. Well, you know, it, the, the sexual tension that was in the comics is definitely missing. I mean, it's, it's present, but it's not backed up at all. Okay, so, no, so it's not. we're watching the second one. I was watching it with my wife, and she was like, you know, well, what's the history between them? And I'm like, well, in the in this movie, there really isn't. And she's like, well, he's acting like they've got some back history, like they've had a relationship. And I'm like, yeah, and really the only thing that really implies that is the fact that in the comics they did. Like, But, but yeah, like, I mean, Logan almost comes away creepy at times. And, yeah. and it's not from how... Hugh Jackman's playing him. No, it's, it's absolutely the situations not. and the characters that he's surrounded by are are shifted and changed, and that I found was a little off putting. Yeah, it's coming from how uh, how creepy and ironic, considering what's happened to the man lately, but how uh, creepy Brian Singer wrote it. Right. Right. Oh, the irony. <laughs> You know, <laughs> the irony that we didn't know at the time. But keep right. in mind, we could have said the same thing about Joss Whedon because we're like, oh, okay, the Buffy guy, we're riding high, yay! And then and then everything comes out about him, and we're like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, that that didn't help. And that I mean, you know, and and I I feel like how you were you're talking about rogue being so young like they it almost felt at times like it was the jubilee rogue yes, relationship yes, that they were yes. trying to do and and again like you know when this came out back in 2000 and 2003 i was way more critical about those kind of changes way more unaccepting mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, i was not yeah. not ready to, to handle those yeah, kind of changes because i did really get the vibes when we saw a uh, rogue right that mm -hmm. they they somehow went for, and this is what was brilliant about the animated series back in the 90s, because they did the Jubilee thing, but the movie decided to take that Jubilee model, right? You know the scene I'm talking about, where she's running from the Sentinels and ends up in the mall? Right, right. Um, the movie, for some goddamn reason decided to take that brilliant scene, essentially gut it, and take the Jubilee Avatar, basically, and implant Rogue on it. I'm like, no, you don't do that. You well, you know, I, I think the reason why so many of us were so critical back then was because it, it felt like at that time still, like, this is our one chance. You know, this is the one chance we're going to get to see these characters live action. Don't screw it up. Whereas well, now well, it's like, well, we know they'll always reboot something or, you know, and like we're a lot more lenient. It's funny <laughs> you say that because if you go back to the standards we had before, I mean, mm -hmm. granted, you know, Blade came along and did his thing as well, but this really changed the game. But mm -hmm. if you go back and look at the standards we had, which was Shaquille O'Neal and Steel rocketeer and spawn answering to a muppet aardvark the bar was set really really low going into this right even the earlier uh punisher with uh lundolf <laughs> oh oh uh, dolph lundgren 
Yeah, that one. That one. Jesus. You're just. Uh, yeah. You're just. Well, I mean, that's, me that's that the movie, cream of the crop that we used to get. Like, you know, those really cheesy Captain America, Thor, and Spider Man movies that oh, were like yeah, yeah, 70s, yeah. might as well have been just like yeah, a 70s yeah, Power yeah. Ranger show. Thor dressed like a pimp for but some reason. I really, you know, when I when I think back on this, my my experience watching it back in two thousand versus right now, mm-hmm. that was the number one thing. Like I was picking apart anything that didn't line up with what I felt the comics were great, and the whole point of the movie at that time to me was to show the greatness of the X-Men, you know? And and so, like, I remember feeling like, yeah, it was good, but it definitely didn't hit the mark, you know? And yeah. now I look back on it, and I'm like, you know, it was really good for what it was. You know, if, if I could have looked at it then, like I was looking at Venom being a Spider-Man universe movie with no Spider-Man, right? Oh, like, God. if I could accept that, like, I could accept this, like, I, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more than I really did. But, yeah, looking back on it, that that it's got to hit. Okay, that feeling okay. of you've got one chance, don't screw this up. I'm gonna, and it was successful. I'm going to timestamp it and hold you to it. Next nah. episode, you better have that optimism with Madam Web, I swear. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, I don't. I have a feeling it's going to earn somewhere between Morbius money and lunch money. Yeah, I could see that. Morbius is... Uh... I'm like, even... Sony, don't even think about releasing Madam Web twice, trying to trying to wipe the egg off your face. <laughs> Christmas edition, right? Oh God! Mm. I, you know, and I, I liked how, like, with X two, you know, we had the lead up of certain things that lead into Last Stand. I mean, Last Stand. We'll discuss it when we get there, but for this episode, let's just say it, it's not the cream of the trilogy and no, yet it's not. and we'll get to X2 when we get there but let's stay with yeah, this there there were things though that end up happening in that that are set in motion in this like mm-hmm. uh pyros defecting and things like that i really liked oh yeah the ways they are, did that that was there, subtle there are little subtle sort of you know um uh seedlings planted mm-hmm. right yeah um, you know, Brian Sinner, back when we actually uh, thought he was a decent human being, uh, he was pretty good at that. You know, movies like uh, Usual Suspects, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought to critique Wolverine as a character through these two movies until I was rewatching them. Because there were, in, in both movies, really? specific, specific scenes in both movies where comic canon logan his nose would have told him everything he needed to know and that is the saber tooth scene in the first one there mm-hmm. is no way he would have been ambushed he would have smelled him way before that right uh, and then the other one was when they discovered that it was alkali lake where striker's base was and he's like i've been there it's deserted and they're like yeah it's it's dead on the top oh, wolverine would have smelled if people were yeah, present yeah at any yeah point. yeah 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 We'll, we'll go into that more when we get there, but yeah, th- that is a very important thing where, where honestly, and I love Hugh Jackman. I love his run, and look, as much as I don't like the current MCU uh, being almost abusive 
attached to uh, navel gazing and X Men in this kind of weird multiversal way. Mm-hmm. Um, much as I love the fact that we're going to see a more comic accurate Wolverine soon, right? Can't believe we're saying that. <laughs> I'm still just going to say this. Looking at some of the the actions of Logan in these two movies, specifically in this one, Logan's kind of dumb. Right. Yeah, they, they there's a lot of tools that the I mean, character has that could have you, been if used. If you more. have your comic accurate thinking cap on, mm-hmm. yeah, Logan, like case in point, the saber tooth deal, Logan would have known... Uh, re- I can't believe I'm using this line, but with you, I'm like, the recognize this foul stench right away. <laughs> and and they could have still played it like that, but they, they you know, I, I feel didn't. like he should have stopped the car before he got to the tree and mm-hmm. said, you know, we're about to be ambushed or something, and then have the ambush happen. Like, that's, that's more of a classic yeah. Logan. Yeah, but that would have been one dialogue change. Right, right. Just one tiny dialogue change. Well, you know, another another cool thing to think about with the MCU is, you know, if, you, if you're somebody that reads comics, right, you yeah. may never have picked up an X-Men comic and read about Logan or Wolverine, but you may have grabbed a new Avengers comic and read about Wolverine as an Avenger. And that's an aspect of the character that I think would be kind of cool for disney to play with with bringing an x-men character into the new lineup of avengers before you bring the x-men in focus though but that's that's stuff to talk about in july let's that's true that's true but that's where i get excited i think that's one of the things about the x-men when they came out was it was fresh enough to make you think oh my gosh anything's possible Mm -hmm. now one thing before we get too far one thing i don't want to gloss over is what you made of the opening uh, uh, sequence, like starting in when you think X Men, you think that theme song, you think da na 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 na, you know all that, mm-hmm. right? But we start in a concentration camp. Well, we actually start with Xavier talking about me because he does that in all three of the first right, ones. Right, right. I'm talking connection. the actual sequence again, but not the sort that... of. That you know, scene with the concentration over. camp, I was watching it with my littlest, and I was explaining to her, like, that scene was so powerful that they reused that scene right. in, in was it first class? Like, oh, one of, yeah, one of the, yeah, we'll get to that later on. But I, I like, I told her, I'm like, I'm like, you know, that just tells you how important that this scene is to that character mm-hmm. and how definitive this moment is to his power. Um, and, and the fact, like I said, you know, that they use it later again and coming back to it, like it's, it's always cool when someone does it so good that they're like, you know what, we're just going to we're just going to use that because we're not going to even try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um, but, By yeah, way, when he gets split of, from his parents and he does of, the whole uh, pulling like a magnet himself. Yeah. The feet on the ground. Nobody can hold him back. Like mm-hmm. dude, that's just the, the little kid does such a great job. Speaking of reinventing the wheel. Right. Um, one th- one thing I don't want 
the MCU to do when they start doing their own X-Men, you know, mm. not what they're doing currently, but doing their own X-Men. Yeah, I'm watching, uh, you know, X-Men and X2 uh, thinking, yeah, don't have this kind of um, intro, you know, the the intro like through Cerebro's eye and whatnot, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, Mark, this this thing is monotonous. This thing is like the backward visor. Every time you see it, you're so glad it's dead. Right. Well, and, and X Men have evolved so much from, you know, the original couple teams that it's like, it has. You know, where where do you jump in? Which team do you talk about? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's, I mean, what was the, one of the latest, was that? Well, you got, you had the gold team, the blue team, the red team. Right. Um, you had the, the young X-Men when they were pulled from time. That was, oh God, one of my favorite X-Men stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've, uh, the uncanny X-Men, uh, when they were also working with the uncanny Avengers. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many different teams, so many different you know, lineups that they've had. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's like when they, when they picked this, they, they really focused on Wolverine. Um, and a lot of X-Men shows, you know, you got like Wolverine and the X-Men and stuff like that, where, where, you know, Wolverine was definitely a focal part, but he even came later. Like, you know, we've never really, aside from X-Men first class and stuff, we've never really got a story that, that was them in the classic era outside of first class itself. That was as, as close as we're ever going to get. But even that, like, that became the, well, where does this land, you know? I'm glad you brought up the the Wolverine thing because, look, one of the things that, as they went on, got really annoying to me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I d- don't know how it got to you, but what it got to me was, really annoying where look i want i want more of the team i i i want an x-men movie not wolverine with x-men in it right yeah does that make sense yeah. no 100 percent. yeah like like okay some of my favorite stories with the x-men are like them going up against the purifiers um or you know classic sentinel stories but mm-hmm. it's usually always the complete overly religious hatred for anything that's different. Therefore mutants all have to die. And then, you know, like, like, wow, my, one of my favorite X-Force stories spun out of the X-Men, right? X-Force in this uh, version, it was a black ops team. Cyclops put together, had Wolverine assemble the team and they were going after the group. And they were, I mean, it was just like, you know, they're, they're the way Scott put it was, Logan, they're coming after our kids. We yeah. got to stop them. And so they, he just he sent Wolverine off on them. Like it was uh, Wolverine, Warpath, X twenty three, Deadpool. I think uh, I don't know if he joined them then or later. Uh, but yeah, man, oh dang, that was such a good story. Like I, <laughs> I was like, dude, the things that they were doing, and then all of a sudden when the bad guys found out, like, oh hey crap, the X Men are sending their hit squad after us. I was like, oh. This is getting good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, here, here's a question. Before we get to talking about Charles, I just want to ask you, what do you make of, of 
Magneto in here. Because to me, you know, I'm, I'm watching the first X-Men movie, right? And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, gee, you know, Magneto being almost a, a radical uh, fundamentalist, I'm like, gee, I, I wonder what kind of groups would be pissed off at that by now. <laughs> I I gotta say I just I love the way that Ian always played the character like it just everything he does oh Ian McKellen Ian McKellen you know was nothing short of brilliant in these mm -hmm. movies yeah right and oh, yeah. look look I, like I said with the MCU the current version of things right now I may not be too happy with the angle they're doing. Being like, well, we'll not give you our X-Men. We'll give you X-Men, but with a better MCU makeover. I mean, case right. in point, Beast of the uh, post-credit scene in Marvel. Well, it's like the issue I always have with Spider-Man, you know? It's right. Like I, my but, favorite Spider-Man stories is when he's 35. But I don't here, know if I'll ever see those in film. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing, going back to my original point. I would love... Absolutely love if somehow in, in you know Deadpool three or I think they'll call it Deadpool and Wolverine. They're not calling it Deadpool three. Come on, <laughs> or some movie in this multiverse before they finish up. I would love to see Ian McKellen and uh, and Elizabeth Olsen and some sort of father daughter reconciliation of some kind. Uh, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, granted, that would make up for the... I I can kind of set aside my not liking how you're doing this. Right. Right? Because, I, look, I still want to see their X-Men. You know, their 616 MCU. You know, this is Feige's world. We're just living in it. All of that other stuff is over here. Well, right. you notice, though, like, when, when Feige does that, he always takes, like, elements of the newest thing and applies, like, you know, Spider-Man was, it has a lot of Miles Morales from the comics trappings. Yeah, but, let, but dude, not, not really at this point, because he doesn't take the new, he's essentially, you know, doing what, you know, other franchises are doing and attaching yourself to the old, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, I'm sorry, Kevin, you were nothing but an upstart kid sitting on the sidelines at this point. <laughs> you know, much like when Stan Lee came into Marvel originally and pissed off uh, Ditko and Schuster and Kirby. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. How ironic now that we got, you know, James over at DC, and I'm like, oh, how things have played out. Well, I, I just think about, you know, from the comic standpoint, how some characters, Charles Xavier, for example. Right. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about Charles right now. He's, he's now X in the comics. Um, he's been reborn, in a sense. He took over Phantom so wait, X's body. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Elon Musk bought him? <laughs> Oh my God! Somebody told Twitter. Well, and that's that's one of the things. Like when I think about with with Marvel, you know, because they don't have to necessarily start 
way in the past with these characters. They could jump into a story that's set much further. And I was like, you know, what if they did tell a story like that where Charles, you know, the X-Men think Charles died, which, you know, he did. Um, In in that story, yeah, in that story, it was another one of those where it was actually Cyclops that kills him. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it was a major thing like that. But when he comes back, because he has been reborn with Phantom X's body as like a new DNA, he's able to walk again. He's young again. Like, like it, it led to a whole array of stuff that I haven't caught up on with the whole X sort of X planet Early X, X whatever all those are. Boy. Yeah, even younger almost. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. So he's James McAvoy brought to you by a baby face filter. Yeah, and and it had a very Madame Web-esque character too. No, because don't like, do not even bring that name up right what, now. What 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 was the the lady that was with Charles and Magneto? Mo- Moya McTaggart. That that girl in the comic. She's got an ability that that seems because I still haven't seen Madam Web. It seems to be like Madam Web's. It's not where, out you know, yet. She, she she lives her life, and when she dies, she's like reborn and, and relives her life again and right, again and I again. I know, I know. All right, going back to the film. Come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. We See, don't have to worry about the, that, Charles. This is why I love you. We'll go off on tangents, but still. Mm-hmm. No, the Charles we get though. I I I liked for the time frame that we had it. I felt like Patrick Stewart and Ian really worked for the characters they were meant to be. But then when you have first class come out, it that really threw me for a wrench, the time frame they chose and then the age they chose for their characters. Just it, it had that whole Obi-Wan Kenobi spends, you know, 20 years on the desert and ages 60. <laughs> Are you, are you saying, are you, are, oh my God, are you, are you saying that you're saddling James McAvoy with that poor Alec Guinness aging? It, 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 I, I don't know. It just didn't really feel hey, like it it's worked. It's gotta be McAvoy because if you say Fassbender can age that way, you're nuts. <laughs> Fassbender looked good too, and then it's like all of a sudden we're supposed to expect in like a short period of time they age that much time. Like I, I guess, I guess that's where I need to put my suspension and disbelief back into motion. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, you know what? I think rewatching this is not going to hurt your suspension of disbelief as much as Man of Web will. But that's a whole other discussion. All right, so going back to the film, let's see, where are we? Oh, yeah, the school tour. Now, I I gotta I gotta I gotta say, as far as and and look, I like seeing the little MCU makeover flourishes that they're able to do, right? that we've seen and uh i i'm as excited as anybody else to finally see a comic accurate wolverine for once 
mm-hmm. uh, because I really doubt uh, Hugh Jackman would do this. Um, you know, again beyond Deadpool three, but we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not holding my breath because if you remember, he publicly hated the regimen for this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, so whether he does Secret Wars or not, who knows? I've told you both on and off mic, I'm very worried for Secret Wars for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, it's just a weird story. It and Battle World were always kind of like, what? Well, and also attaching Sam Raimi to direct Secret Wars doesn't help my anxiety, but that's a whole whole other discussion for a whole other time. Right. But I gotta admit that when, um, you know, Charles is basically taking Logan through uh, the school. Look, I wanted that feeling of exactly the wonderment of the um, animated series. And I gotta be honest here. I didn't get that. You didn't? No. felt like it had that classic... uh... We're at school vibe. Yeah, I mean, if they're touring Hogwarts. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were a little more uh, out there was what they were doing. I, I don't know. I felt like that was one of the contrasts between the first and second films, that that pacing felt slower because it needed to introduce so much more. Whereas yeah. the second one, it's like that's already out of the way, and they kind of hit the ground running. Oh, the, we'll get to it when we get to it. But the second one, I feel, is... You know how everyone makes the... With movies, they make the really stupid uh, monkey's uncle comparison to this generation's Star Wars or this generation's Empire Strikes Back. Right. Right? Uh, well, X2 really did feel like to me, a a sort of Empire Strikes Back scale that this one really didn't um, didn't uh, deliver on that much. Uh, right. I mean, it was still good and entertaining, but um, and I'm sorry, the costumes are <sighs> the costumes are a little kind of I don't know. Like I don't like them. I don't hate them. They're just kind of there. Right, right. Right. More weapon, like, like more military-like. More like a military tactical. And I'm like, that's cool. That's not the X-Men, though. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right. The X-Men are these vibrant colors. You got, I mean, you got... Look at the promo stuff you got for Deadpool 3. You got ketchup and mustard walking side by side, <laughs> like rocking Apollo on the goddamn beach. Ooh, right. Right? <laughs> um, by the way, shout out to Carl Weathers. You know, love you, bud. Um, <laughs> had to do that. I said Apollo, so every right, time right. you say that, you got you to gotta drop the respect where it is. So, <laughs> Right? Yeah. Uh, ah, good grief. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like how you say, uh, you know, you mentioned the second one being like The Empire Strikes Back. Because the first mm-hmm. one, I never really liked 
the idea that Magneto was going to force mutantism onto people. And no. it was more the device that they had. It's like, oh, cool, you got a little metal ring that spins really fast, and now it's making a metal field or some... A little kind of... metal ring that spins very fast that also produces Gozer's fishing net. Right, right. Now everybody's going to turn into mutant fish. Like, I, I, that was odd. Or, um, if you, uh, or if you keep in mind what happens to Senator Kelly, they're going to turn mm-hmm. into a big pile of goo. Well... Well, and see, and even that, like, we don't necessarily oh know because, God. like, he oh my... fell into the water and then just kind of went south. Oh, my God, I just realized. South. I just realized. Oh, my God. X-Men, how could you do this? How could you do this? You literally went to the most godforsaken level ever. Senator Kelly de-evolved. How dare you, X-Men? How dare you go near the Super Mario Brothers movie? <laughs> I'm like, damn it. I never I never thought of that until right this second. Jesus. Oh, my God. Oh. See, what I, I find funny is that I'm looking at, like, the X2 promo uh, art. No. And I'm honestly, I'm surprised that the second half of the film that they benched Colossus. Yeah, and and didn't uh, as I said, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I believe they also changed actors, didn't they? Uh, changed who? The Colossus actor, because he. Oh yeah, I think they changed him. Him and Kitty Pryde changed like three times. He showed a little bit in the uh, first one, right? Yeah, yeah. Him and and Kitty Pryde also changed twice before they uh, changed her the third time for the third film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Feige, take note. Don't do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> as long, no, hey, I, you know, hey, as long as I get my dream casting for Rogue, <laughs> I want my Alexandra Daddario as Rogue. <laughs> I like that they brought Nightcrawler in. I liked that you could see the brimstone when he would do his leaping and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's let's finish up the first one though. Um, now, okay, let's talk about this, because I don't, rewatching the first one, okay, Mm -hmm. it is very, 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 very apparent that our our dear Lord and Savior and oftentimes troublemaker George Lucas was watching X Men, right? Or watching dailies for X Men or something, because my okay, wait, wait, I gotta compose myself. All right, <laughs> I gotta compose myself. Because apparently, Brian Singer and the geniuses behind this movie were watching The Phantom Menace and said, That guy, Toad. <laughs> what? Ray Park's Toad, yeah. That, Toad's a hard one to make 
cool outside of a comic or a, a cartoon, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, most of these guys are, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because, and this is why I say Feige and the MCU have a hell of a lot of homework to do, taking notes for when they do theirs, right? Right. Instead right. of making all this other other stuff look better. Because a lot of it just does not translate that well. Yeah. Like, I mean, case in point, I love Mystique, but could we not do the blue body paint thing again? Yeah, like, like yeah. Like, we're always going to just have her run around naked. Cause... Yeah, I mean, granted, it's Rebecca Romaine, and I can't think of any man at the time married or not, who would be upset by that. Right. <laughs> uh, but you see what I mean? Now, I don't mind if they if, if Feige takes an animated series approach and goes with a more accurate mystique in her gray look. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. But I'm like, yeah, let's not, let's not do what, you know, uh, this era of X-Men was doing. Let's not do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, well, and they've done so many different things with her character. It's just like, you know, I feel like set her aside. Let Morph come in, you know? Yes. By the way, I I think I know who would be very appropriate for Morph. Who's that? Steven Yoon. Okay. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, after playing after playing Glenn in The Walking Dead, uh, mm-hmm. Morph would be really easy because unlike Glenn, he would certainly die a lot quicker. <laughs> and he gets to come back. <laughs> yeah, and he gets to come back too, which, uh, which let's be honest, that'd be a really, really, really creative writing stretch for dear old Glenn. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways, I feel like this first movie is really all set up for the second movie. You know, it like, is. even even Magneto getting caught at the end is, like, you know, setting up Senator Kelly dying, Mystique placing herself in his role. You know, it's like, it's like everything is set up for the next movie by the time we get to the end of it mm-hmm. really well. Now, Even I, though I, w- like... I will say, I I agree with you. It's mostly setup, but I will say I do love. And I was I was thinking this when I was rewatching uh, X two just before uh, this recording. But when I was doing that, I was like, man, that first movie, a breezy hour and forty five. I mi- I love that. I miss the days when Marvel, you know. W- Long before Feige's little MCU bloated Frankenstein experiment, um, which is feeling a lot like uh, Patriots fans after Bill Belichick leaves after 24 years, a little deflated, but that's a whole other story. But I really do like when Marvel was a quick in and out, right? Not over bloated, not overstaying its welcome, Right. Which, in most cases, we we have had some movies that have done that, Mark. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But don't you miss out a little bit when Marvel was just a breezy in and out? It didn't overstay its welcome with the blow to two hours? Yeah. I go back and forth. Like, if the story's good and it doesn't feel like two hours, give me two hours. But Right, that's fine. I mean, That last just... half hour when you feel like you've been there two hours sucks. Like, oh, it's got yeah. to be a captivating story, you know? <laughs> right. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I felt the reverse with uh, with Endgame. Mm-hmm. That last 45 minutes, great. <laughs> that first two and a half hours, right? it just felt like, and I'll just say it, unnecessary blue balls. Right. Well, you know what's weird, too, you know, when you think about the franchise of the X-Men in a whole, it's almost like later on they totally forget about the first movie. Because, you know, when you get yeah. to Days of Future Past, it's like, it's not Rogue who they're after, unless you get the Rogue cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, look, I love my Ellen Page or Elliot Page as, you know, they're go- they're, they are going by now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want my Anna Paquin if you're doing anything Rogue. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is, and we'll, we'll get to that when we uh, get to it later on in the series we're doing. Um, but what's funny about that is at that point, she was looking a lot closer to uh, 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 how I wanted Rogue than this film. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, X-Men in the Fox era was the epitome of and we've had this description in in political circles mark so uh you know excuse me for saying but it really fits well with fox okay or the artist formerly known as because uh, i mean fox did Disney bought that thing. Uh, Mickey killed it, gutted it. Minnie's wearing it as a, as a fur coat. All right. <laughs> Let's be honest. But you know. Uh, what does the fox say? Nothing. He's dead. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but you know, X Men under Fox at the time was like the epitome of you know, the GOP where it's like, let's just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you say that's fair? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of loose character descriptions of some of them later on. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like, it's funny that, you know, Magneto is such a X-Men classic villain. It is. And yet, it's like, Right out the gate in the first movie, he's like, oh, that wonderful metal runs through your bones. Like, yeah, like, you know, Wolverine's awesome, except for Magneto. Just like, well, well, that's a somebody else want to come and tap out Wolverine because he's pointless. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Fox really didn't want to give any other character spotlight that that didn't have a W in their name. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing I, I think about. There's just been, like I said, so many different X-Men in the lineups. Uh, yeah, and, I, and the fact that they've gone on so many years, it's like, man, when, when the MCU decides to do something, I'm I'm just really curious 
from the franchise standpoint, where they decide to plant their flag and like the timeline perspective. And, and I don't expect it to be the same, but no, you know, I don't like, either. But, but like, you know, what era of the story would they jump into and then retell it from there? Right. Uh, and that, that'll be interesting when that finally plays out because this, that is one thing about this story was how interesting it was as it went along. You know I mean? Oh, like, I agree. I agree. Wolverine, I mean, I get why they focus so hard on Wolverine. I mean, he definitely becomes the focal point. Right. Almost to the detriment of the rest of the show. Yeah, almost to the detriment of the rest of the series. Yeah, the franchise. And, yeah, yeah, that's actually more true. Because, yeah, we're looking at you, uh, the Wolverine. <laughs> oh, are you talking before uh, the, the mangled cut? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, which made it a bit more of a tolerable movie, let's be honest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, before we move on to X2, I'll just say as long as they don't make, as long as the MCU makes a proper BA apocalypse, that big-ass belt buckle, and I don't want him looking like Ivan Ooze from Power Rangers. Ha, <laughs> The ooze. Yeah, that better... Uh, hear me, Feige, you better not do that. If you do that, I will walk out and probably reevaluate re my relationship with you. <laughs> Single-handedly causes Dave to quit working for the movie industry. <laughs> well, I didn't say I would go that nuts. I didn't say I would go Michael Keaton nuts. Come on. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to uh, X Men Two or X Two X Men United. They dropped X Men United because for some reason they thought even when it was X Two X Men United, they thought we were all dumb in the early two thousands. So, gang, at this point in the show, there will be the trailer, and then we will be back right after this. You have to understand, we thought Bobby was going to a school for the gifted. Bobby is gifted. You should see what he can do. Have you tried not being a mutant? Since the discovery of their existence, mutants have been regarded with fear, suspicion, often hatred. Drop the knives and put your hands in the air. I can't. Are they the next link in the evolutionary chain? Or simply a new species of humanity fighting for their share of the world? What do you need, William? Just your authorization for a special operation, Mr. President. We've managed to gather evidence of a mutant training facility in the upstate New York. This facility is a school. Sure it is. Nobody really knows how many even exist. Or how to find them. Except you. Who are you? I keep feeling something terrible is about to happen. I would never let anything happen to you. It's about to get very cold in here. I need you to read my mind. Sometimes the mind needs to discover things for itself. They say you're the bad guy. Is that what that said? I 
talent you have there. Most people will never know anything beyond what they see. I have faith in you. The next time you feel like showing off, don't. I used to think you were one of a kind, Wolverine. I was wrong. So, Mark, I will start. Um, yeah, like I was saying before, this movie, first of all, it's shockingly better than the first one. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't that hard. But it joins a very, very short list of sequels that are actually better than the first one, to be honest. Uh, spoiler alert, Jaws 2 is definitely not on that list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's one, it's also one of those rare sequels that, that really sort of, you know, like the boring comparisons where people overuse the, this generation Star Wars or this generation's Empire Strikes Back. This right. one feels legitimately like a Empire Strikes Back size steak sandwich. Well, and the I'd say the biggest difference between the two, though, yeah, is you could toss X Men. You could start with this, and it gives you everything you need to know. Oh, I agree. To enjoy the to I enjoy agree. the franchise. As far as viewing goes, you could toss out the first X Men and just watch this. Right, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that the first one doesn't have its merits, but just I, I feel like the first one establishes so much. And and then the actual plot at the end there was like so kind of con, you know, non controversial, non consequential, right? And yet no, they, you agree. know it was like, oh, we're gonna turn people into mutants. Like that is a big thing, and yet like that was never. I mean, you know, even in X two, we never hear about you know, oh, the mutant threat. They're trying to turn regular people into mutants. That mm -hmm. would be a big selling point for anyone that's anti mutant, and that never gets touched. So, yeah. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I feel like you could totally just cut that one, jump into this one, and and this one delivers almost that, you know, episode, if you're going to go Star Wars, that episode three, Order 66, Follow the Temple. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, man, the, the, the scenes with Wolverine there, you know, with just a few of the kids that are, you know, like like uh, Colossus and, and, and Bobby and stuff. But, yeah, there, there's a lot that they brought to this one, you know, when you think about Nightcrawler showing up. You get newer kids. Um, we still get cameos, you know. Yeah, so you we can, do. We you do. see a lot of the mutants that aren't named, and some that are. Again, which both movies do a good job of that, um, mm -hmm. bringing oh, that, in oh, yeah. members of the team without showing them per se. Yeah, because you could really tell this was the point where uh, one, like you. Like you were bringing up where you could toss out the first X-Men and just go with this, right? Mm -hmm. You you started to see the cracks in the sort of continuity, schmontinuity, where they didn't really care. They were just doing movies. 
Right. And in a way, I miss that because <laughs> the M- the MCU, uh, you know, in the current Feige era, right, really doesn't just do that. You know, no. part of what I liked about their uh, some of their early stuff or some of their stuff the last few years, right? And I'm not talking the Disney Plus output. I'm talking the movies. Is like with uh, uh, Shang-Chi, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? It was, okay, you just make your movie. There's not um, a million plus uber different things to worry about to understand this movie. You just make your movie. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think to a degree, both of the first and second of these X-Men for me, it's the end plot that really unravels with both of them. Um, yeah. You know, the first one, like you said, you have this thing, you can turn people into mutants. And then the second one, you have striker using his son's like brain fluid that if you put a drop on to their neck, you're able to be brainwashed into doing things. And like, like, it's a really weird MacGuffin, I guess. Like, I, I don't well, know. I've never been a fan of, the way it was presented. Like I'm okay with the idea of them being brainwashed. Putting it in that context, right? The, um, the Magneto wanting to turn everybody into mutants, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a very sort of, uh, (laughs) very sort of comic booky take on, you know, the Mike Pence to pity of let's pray the gay away. That's (laughs) dumb. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. It, it okay. Is. okay. No, you're right. You're right. But if you, if you, no, follow, okay. 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 Stop dying on the other end of the Skype call, all right? But if you really put it in that context, okay? And so you have Magneto doing that, and you have Stryker doing his thing. You know, right. uh, mind manipulation with the brain juice of a vegetable. Um, well, the Bobby scene when he goes home, like, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing I was getting at. We'll get to that. But, um, you know, as far as Magneto and Stryker, you're like, between both movies, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's that it's, setup of the war. It's not really Brian coming up with a, yeah a war that's you know botched by the third movie, but we'll get to that. Right. Um, but it's not really Brian coming up with something different for a sequel. He's just repeating the same beat in a more personalized story, and not so much the. Magneto with some Mike Pence agenda of you know turning everyone into mutants, mm-hmm. right? Um, I know, I know, I know. I just probably pissed off um uh, you know several people listening, but it's true. God damn it, go watch it. I were you at all disturbed by the age difference of the actors for William Stryker and his son? Because I'm like. 
I kept looking at William going, man, you must be a lot older than I think you are in this moment because your son looks as old as you, bro. Dude, <laughs> dude, dude, no more disturbed than when you watch when you watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You're like, okay, wait, Sean's this and Harrison's this. That means Sean would have had to have him when he was 12. But Sean just says, Junior, and it all makes sense. <laughs> oh, okay. Are you trying to find a way around that creepy I, I, map? I, I am, because that that whole end scene there when when we have the vision of the, the kid, because I always got confused when we get to the very end and, and his son is talking to Charles, but it's because even the subtitles says that the kid that's in the room with Charles is a girl. And I thought it was supposed to be the young version of the son. And then I'm like, wait, what the heck is going on? Like, he's just totally duping Charles. Like, <laughs> I just think Brian Sanders really liked the shining. <laughs> Right, and right. and and let's be honest, they probably didn't have the budget for two creepy girls, right? I I have to admit I do like rewatching this one with the information I have from the X Men Origin Wolverines, even though that one isn't not necessarily my most favorite. That one is probably the worst of the series. I'd love to see how you justify this. Go on. I only in the aspect that the, my favorite parts of that were the X, uh, the project X aspect, you know, when, oh, when you see oh, how he got yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. You mean, the, you mean the stuff this movie hints at? Yes, exactly. Exactly. In that aspect, I, get you. I like how those two play together because that was always one of the aspects of Wolverine's story that I absolutely loved. Yeah, and the I fact that, you know, it, it ends with the young striker putting the animanium bullet in his head, which right. leaves him not knowing how, you know, everything came to be. Because when you have that scene, when uh, Mystique shows forget, up as let's him. Not forget, let's not forget, that also creates... If you're going with that god-awful movie, <laughs> that also creates a a god-awful Barackable, which started Ryan Reynolds' journey to get a goddamn Deadpool done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I call that thing Barackable. Because <laughs> I'm like, what the... Okay, we, I will rant and rave about it more when we get to it in the series. Right. But I'm just like, what the hell was that? And I, and I think, like, by the third actually, movie, it was clear the, that the X-Men franchise was playing very loose with its own continuity. <laughs> well, it started with this movie. But right. all I will say about it before we get back to some of X2 is, you know, the one... The, the one thing Barakapool represents? <laughs> the epitome of the word studio notes. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, you have a character called the Merc with a mouth and you sew his mouth shut? I hope somebody was fired after that. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? Yep. <laughs> I, I like how this movie does give us how the animanium uh, is able to be molded 
you know, he talks about how when, when it's in its liquid form, it has to stay in its liquid form. And then when it cools, it becomes indestructible. Oh, it like, does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause like, I forget about lady death strike in this, you know, like cause yeah. she, she does her stuff. Like that was such a cool fight. And yet he ends her so quick. <laughs> And oh. it's almost like the way he dies in the comic. <laughs> uh-huh. That was such a cool fight. And, and I wouldn't mind... Um, I wouldn't mind if, uh, you know, uh, when they start doing theirs, if, you know, Feige picks at a few things that have already been done, like Lady Deathstrike. But here's the thing. Do that, but keep it around. Right. Right, no, none of this one and done. Some great villains, you know. Don't don't one and done it like you do here, and and certainly don't one and done it like like a certain Lucas guy did with a you know a ba looking devil dude in Phantom Menace, because I don't want to see Lady Deathstrike come back with a spider ass. <laughs> Black Widow. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Well, it's, e- it's either you have the classic, you know, mustache twirling villain that is always bumbling or you got the one and done. But like, like, you know, for a Star well, Wars reference. Well, those were the tropes of the time. Right. But some of my favorite villains are like, like uh, in New Jedi Order, Naminor. You know, he was uh, a, a character oh, that yeah, was a yeah, bad yeah. guy, yeah, but guy. he was also doing his own thing. So it was like he was always there, you know, like. Uh, almost like the spike on Buffy, you know, like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? We just, yeah. we know he's a dick. <laughs> well, yeah, that was cut and dry. Right. <laughs> right down the middle. You know, it's like, what's the defining characteristic? Dick. All right, move on. Mm-hmm. All right, so <laughs> getting back to X2. You know, one of the one of the things, and I was talking about at the top of the program, one of the things I'm really, really disappointed by mm-hmm. is this is kind of where, at least for these three movies, I mean, they, they tried more with, with some of the other ones. Uh, didn't really get it right there either. But this was really the movie where my... <sighs> my 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 hope for a for a really accurate take of gene mm. died yeah and look that has nothing to do with Famke Jensen I think first of all she's one of the most gorgeous women on the planet yeah definitely had the most Jean Grey look yeah she did she did yeah uh, granted, never got to do the 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 classic uh, Phoenix Green Gold, mainly mm-hmm. because they they messed up that storyline twice. Twice. <laughs> but we'll get to that Game of Thrones chick who messed that up as well. I mean, I I can't blame I I'm with you. I can't blame the actresses. I mean, it, no, no, no. No, I can't. It's I, it's the downside of trying to rush a story that took years because of of the delivery of the comics right, right you know yeah. like weeks to months at a time and and then trying to compact it down and get that same impact you're not i mean there there are different beats and different tropes that you have to hit that i feel like 
you know, Feige may get there every now and again with mm-hmm. some characters, yeah, but yeah. he's still missing it across the board. Right. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's almost like you really have to have read about these characters. You know, it, it's the difference between giving Ryan Reynolds Deadpool and giving someone else Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Well, for me, that frustration is akin to your Agent Venom, my friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to see it before I'm too old to remember or dead. Right? Preferably the first one. <laughs> right? Yeah, always, like I... We always prefer the first one. I, you know, I when I, when I think about, like, Stryker in this, like, I feel like he's just so stupid. You know, you've he got... Is, yeah. You've got Nightcrawler under your control, right? So you use him to frame mutants trying to kill the president. You have a teleporter oh, that under was a, your that, control. That was a great opening sequence. It, oh, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. was. But I'm just like, you know, Stryker to me seems like the type of guy that would take Nightcrawler and start blamping him in around other mutants that he wants to collect. Right. Blamp them back to the base, subdue them, take them over, and build a team of, of turned mutants. Like, I, that, like, that's where I feel like, you know, like, Stryker didn't quite well, work with dude, what he was if, trying to if do. Stryker like, were give smart, us depth. If Stryker had been smart, right, mm-hmm. they would have done exactly that. And then Stryker would have been your equivalent of Norman Osborn, and he would have had his Dark Avenger mutants. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I mean, Stryker's endgame is just, like, oh, it's so next-level hate. Like, they don't really kind of explain that hatred away. They, they, they tiptoe into the water, you know? I mean, Jason, his son, being a mutant and stuff, like, you know that there's conflict there. Right, right. But they could have had a couple conversations between Xavier and him that really showed the depth of of the hatred. of of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Make it more fanatical. I'm going to make a very topical comparison, and at some point we're going to cover this movie anyway, because it's one of the ones we missed while, you know, you were away for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, Stryker and this, why there, why there's a bit more meat there, you know, the, the conflict with his son, you know, that kind of, and the emotions and so on. Right. He almost feels about as effective as Darben in, uh, the Marvels. Yeah. You know, yeah. where it's like, okay, you don't like him, you don't hate him. He's just there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, now, granted, unlike Darben, there's a bit more meat to Stryker. You know? Yeah, I, I, what's funny is, is watching this the second time with the information that I have from X-Men Origin Wolverines with the younger version of Stryker and him on that mission and stuff, like, that adds to what I know of Stryker's comments to Wolverine, because, you know, like, you know, having that information, having seen that movie, it's like, okay, I know what he's talking about, even though Logan doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, it is. It, it, that's the second time in this podcast you've brought up Origins. That's <laughs> uh, eh, not that bad. No, it, it it too goes off the rails. But I mean, I I feel like when you look at the X Men franchise as a whole, mm-hmm. that there are lots of moments in every one of the films where it's like ah, I kind of went off the rails there, but. It's an X-Men movie, so we're going to pass. We're going to give it a pass. They well, actually made an X-Men movie. <laughs> well, let's let's keep in mind, pal, where, uh, like I said, with our bar so low uh, in the Christ. form of Shaquille O'Neal Steel, Rocketeer, which was an awesome movie, by the way, but still, uh, and Spawn answering to a Muppet aardvark, our... Uh, our bar was incredibly low that we were more vulnerable. I mean, today today we pick apart and, and you know, comic book fans have gotten, you know, I think it's fair to say a majority of them are completely nuts. Right. But. Dark Man, Howard the Duck, you guys don't remember what we got? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look. Star Wars fans want to overuse the word dark times. Comic book fans had literal dark times, okay? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Right. You know, I mean, you bring up Howard the Duck. Howard the Suck. So I will just say two words, because I don't want to hear it. Two words. Duck tits. (laughs) I mean, seriously. So, because our bar was so low, all right, we were more vulnerable at the time to, oh, I don't know, be so open where we see anything that seems, you know, a bit of a stretch. And we use the phrase, eh, comics. Comics, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's only because we were we had years and years and decades upon decades of of basically having our feelings kicked in the dirt. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Next time, Star Wars fans whine about the dark times. Yeah, talk to any comic book fan. We'll tell you about some real dark times. Okay. <laughs> some dark times that would make even Palpatine blush. By the way, I'm calling him Palpatine, not Sheev. Sheev sounds like a juicy fart when you leave the door open. <laughs> Palpatine. Oh, Palpatine. I just sheaved my pants. Look, can we, yeah, exactly. Can we uh, at least go back to the days when he was just a one-note name like Madonna or Cher? <laughs> Jesus Christ, George. Thank you for that one. Yeah. Uh, all right, rant over. <laughs> uh, can't can't believe you got me so angry. I brought up duck tits. <laughs> oh, well. You know, one thing I wish they would have played up more in this, and you know, I th- I I guess I get why, but the whole dark Phoenix aspect, the Phoenix in general and stuff, it's all played down. Like, you know, we, we only get everything there at the very end when she's in the lake and stuff. Uh But I feel like they really could have been, you know, pushing that whole, you know, the dread of something coming kind of like what we did get when we, when we see dark Phoenix play out. Um, 
Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting to think like, you know, you had such a, a decent setup to tell that story. And then right before you get there, they're like, okay, and now we're just going to make it look like we killed her. Like, right. Like, oh, what? Well, and also, I'm sorry. You, and, and this is partly the frustration I have with the third movie, right? Mm-hmm. You can barely call that piece of shit a movie, but still. Uh, this is the frustration I have. You mean to tell me all this was suppressed in her mind and all it took to unlock it was boom, water. What is she, a fucking chia pet? <laughs> it's like boom, water, water and sunshine. It's crazy. I'm like, seriously? Seriously, Fox? The. You know what? This is why we look at you, Fox, and to quote Jack Nicholson in the 89 Joker or the 89 Batman, we're like, we're glad you're dead. Well, so, and this was the movie where me and my wife were just like, what is the relationship between Logan and Gene? Because he's over there about to kiss her, and then he kisses her, and it's like, Dude, that was very Me Too vibes, bro. Like, what the heck's going on? Like, he's acting like she's an ex-girlfriend, and she's acting like, dude, are you drunk? (laughs) Yes, it's very Me Too vibes, and then it gets worse when you have that tent scene. And I think some of the Fox executives were just horny that day and wanted, uh, you know, uh, three gorgeous women, one underage, I might add, on top of Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I'm just like, are you are you goddamn kidding me? Who wasn't get la- who wasn't getting late enough to be like, that's a genius idea. Yeah, somebody And then was... all of a sudden they're not on set, they're off on the side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh dear God. I I do feel like, though, by the time you get to the end of this one, there are some pretty big locations uh, and events in the X-Men franchise that have been established, you know, like the key points of the story we come back to in a lot of other stories. I mean, granted, it's it's screwed, but there are. (laughs) It's screwed because to land all this stuff, you want a really competent director. Mm-hmm. You bring in the douche nozzle who directed Rush Hour. <laughs> are you are are you goddamn kidding me? You bring in the douche nozzle who directed Rush Hour three. Yeah. So I'm just like, I. I think that's why I have such pent-up frustration with um, the Fox era of X-Men. You mm. know? Yeah. I mean, they are enjoyable films, and don't get me wrong, Last Stand has some... Um, I say that very lightly and generously. Some redeeming qualities to them. I mean, case in point... You could watch the the end fight scene, right? Mm-hmm. Where Beast looks all stupid and whatnot. 
but you could watch the end fight scene. Everyone's turning, everyone's exploding and so on. And all of a sudden, Thanos is in another universe, his eyes rolling in the back of his head going, oh, jeez. Uh, I'll tell you what, X-Men The Last Stand, its redeeming value is a joke. <laughs> its redeeming value is internet memes. Yeah, and, it's been so long. Like, and I, I... What's, the, what's the other thing the kids love? Oh, gifts. Anyway, you were saying? Oh, it's just been so long, I barely even remember it. I just, uh, I, I just remember it was bad enough that they, they decided to wipe it. Yeah, they like, they like wipe it so badly they don't even explain how they wiped it. They, and that's I think the thing with all the X One movies is when the continuity doesn't line up, they're just like, I just look the other way. It's 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 a comic movie. Like yeah. and that, and that seemed to be like. The go-to explanation for every time there was a wait, what moment? Well, it's a dude, comic movie. dude, you don't you have know, to think this You through. know as well as I do. Even when they were doing, you know, even when we were no X-Men movies, it was just comics. Uh, you know as well as I do that any time X-Men would do this. By the way, you know, Star Wars fans, you want to really figure out crappy continuity, come over to the X-Men side. Just saying. Right. But, you know, any time they would do this, they would, you know, mess things up. They would just look the other way. It, they would pull what I like to call that Wizard of Oz play. <laughs> Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, you know, Unlike, say, DC, where they had a better, they have a better way to do that. That's not called Ezra Miller, let's be honest. It's called, just have Barry run his assets off. <laughs> okay? Uh, I mean, I call, I call Flash the Scarlet Reboot button for a reason. Right? Um, X-Men doesn't have that. You know, uh, the the other ones I can think of that have that is like um, uh, Star Trek. When they're in trouble, what do they do? They just hurl the ship around the goddamn sun. Right. Tech to tech. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Solved all their problems for about, what, 70 years? Techity tech, tech, tech. And then we jump to the future. We got even cooler tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, let's just say, and and this is a whole other discussion that you and I have had several times. Right, right. right. I just worry that um, unless handled really, really well, mm -hmm. uh, Mortis may become a, a new. Let's just say a particular franchise that's out for trouble. Oh, I can see that being the case. Hey, so I, I have a question for you, just in the aspect of, you know, when you, you talk about what could be an X-Men movie, right? Sure. And then that's that's what these movies really showed us, is, you know, anything could be possible. Yeah. When oh, you think did. of, you know, the classic X-Men comic stories, uh -huh. uh, you know, like, like Sentinel stories and stuff, or like the Legacy Virus, w which are... 
if you had to pick three, like what would be the key element stories that you would like to see in a new Disney MCU X-Men franchise? Like your must have plots that you would love to see come from comics retooled. However they did it. I want to see, Oh, that's a great question. Dude. Great question. I want to see the legacy virus storyline. I think it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see that. I want to see the the Dark Phoenix done right. right. I want to see the Shi'ar Empire. I want to see the Star Dimmers. I want all of that. All of that. Give me all of that sweaty goodness. Um, and I want to see... Um, I'm blanking on the on the name, but um, I know the animated series did this, but when uh, Magneto and Charles had to work together, mm-hmm. they were on that island. Uh, uh, Genosha? Genosha, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which <clears throat> again, there's there's rumors that uh, that may end up being that, that uh, weird eternal just frozen in the ocean that you know no one's touched on mm-hmm. um so we'll see what happens there i suppose right uh, yeah i for me man I, I i think about yeah that genosha was a big i remember that being a big major story thing it was, i remember yeah. the space stuff with the shiar and everything i was never really a big fan of of those stories as much although the brood was a story that was kind of like had the potential to be scary as hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, you know who I want to see? Hmm. Because he he very much be like the the X Men universe equivalent of trying to pull off Job of the Hut. I want to see uh, Mojo. Mojo? Yeah. 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 I want to see Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I, like the Messiah Complex was a great story. That was when uh, the X Force Black Ops team uh, story that I liked came uh, up. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the name of the bad guys were. It was some kind of religious zealot name that they had, and it was like you know any they were killing all mutants. Um, and so, yeah, it was like the whole point was like, no, we're, we're not going to sit back and just let them come and kill our people. Right, we're going to stop right, yeah. them. And, oh, man, that was a great story. All right. Um, well, Mark, before we wrap this up, any other thoughts on uh, X2? Oh, man, X2 is just so much fun. Like, I, I, I wasn't kind of keen on how we end, but... I like wasn't, episode I wasn't three. either. I wasn't either. And and I'm not keen on rewatching it because <laughs> I know what comes next. Right? I'm, and I'm terrified to cover that. I'm just like, oh see, this right? is why this is why I'm glad you're back, man, because you're like my security blanket watching the last stand. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, like for me it's like episode three's order sixty six when we get to that whole moment with the uh Strikers raid on the complex at, at Xavier's compound. Like I, that is definitely 
the highlight for me of almost all the X-Men films. Like I really just enjoy that scene. And like, if there's one scene that they could take from this X-Men series and retool it in a new way would be something like that. (laughs) Well, you know, Feige would make a striker that's a little bit younger and smarter. Right. Right. Not a striker who acts like a, a middle age, a way past middle age Looney Tune cartoon. Because <laughs> uh, let's be honest, all of this is under you know Feige now, so it's going to be retooled anyway. Right. That's why I say, you know, I know, I know, people love the notion that you know everything's canon now and everything in the Netflix universe is canon. I'm like, no, it isn't. <laughs> it's being made. It's having an MCU makeover, right? And if purifiers, they, yes, that was the name of those groups. They were the purifiers. That's that's exactly. the one I want to see. Well, I'm glad you said that because it's literally what Feige's doing. <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, if they're upset by that and upset by the changes, then imagine when they get to Iron Fist and the most upset person is going to be Finn Jones. <laughs> and I can just say right now, Finn Jones can go join Ray Fisher in the superhero unemployment line. Yeah. Well, oh, we know where that joke can go. <laughs> well, Mark, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode uh, covering uh, X-Men and X2 or X2 X-Men United if you really want to go with what they originally called it before like everyone literally shouted at them, what? Uh, thank you for joining me, my friend, covering this as always. And uh, again, our next episode is going to be a slight, a slight, um, how shall I nicely put this? A slight, uh, painful, hopefully not too painful, departure in the ever-continuing Sony Universe of Spider-Man without Spider-Man, which makes me go, for why? (laughs) Yes, our next episode, we will be covering Madam Web in a few weeks. Hey, come on, get your stuff. Let's go. A week ago, I spent my life racing against time. I'm gonna help you out today, okay? Trying to save people who were running out of it. Until one moment changed everything. Come on! Welcome back to the land of the living. I don't understand what's happening. I've been having visions. I knew he was gonna die. I think I'm seeing the future. New York City's a whole new level of crazy these days. 
City is a whole new level of crazy these days. This is an emergency. Get off the train. That man's trying to kill you. What? Who are you? What is going on? I can see the future. Oh, what the hell? She didn't see that coming? That's <laughs> not how it works. I've seen that man before. So who is he? Ezekiel Sims. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died. I recognize you. You live in my building. You're the paramedic. Yeah, you almost ran me over. You don't think this is weird? How we're all connected? It's honestly like the least weird thing that's happened all day. What do you want from me? You have no idea what those girls are coming. Why don't you want from me? I think he can see into the future. What are you wondering? He's trying to change what happens. Your future was almost so different. If you want to live, you have to trust me. Get ready. Now. You're showing off. Maybe a little. still want to know why why uh, but we'll get to that when we get to it and and hey we're we're marvel cast we cover everything and uh well we try to don't we mm-hmm yeah uh so thank you again mark for joining me as always and uh well thank you guys for joining us in this spirited fun discussion just two guys riffing on uh, a nice x-men trip back into you know days of better x-men <laughs> well okay days of potential better x-men feige i'm looking at you you know once you're done navel gazing we want you to do your x-men yours not not this sort of dead Fox Universe stuff. No. Just have Deadpool kill it and then be done with it. Because, <laughs> come on, you know, you know Deadpool 3 is going to be some version of that. I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait either. I can't wait either. I, I kind of want him to, you know... Jump into a a reality where where uh, where Tom Hardy's Venom exists, and then Deadpool <laughs> just takes his sword to him and cuts Venom in half, <laughs> or cuts him right down the middle. Why not? Where's the, where's the suit for a, a small time frame? <laughs> oh my God! Oh, wasn't there a comic run that there was? That? I have that action figure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So until next time, gang, we will just end with this. He who leaves the Baxter building last turns out the lights. It's you! I'm getting in line for Deadpool! Thank you for listening to MarvelCast. Legend tells us one thing. Earth's mightiest podcast. History, another.
every now and then we find something that belongs to both. There are relics that predate the universe itself. An ancient force of infinite destruction. You have no idea what you're dealing with. All Marvel and Marvel Studios proper is a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Don't slip when you shut the door.